Hi guys, I'm Danny. And I'm Molly. And this is Black Chick Lit. Mm-hmm. And we're here. We're finally back. It's the Memorial Day weekend, so I'm like mm-hmm. feeling extra lazy, but we're gonna do this. We're gonna do it. We're gonna have we gonna have a little fun. We're gonna talk a little books. Um we might have some laughs, you know how we do over here. <laughs> yeah. You got any Memorial Day plans? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, nope. You know what? I don't either besides like elite eating at least one hot dog. That's the only thing oh, I yeah. So So I've been a little sick. Yeah, that's uh, right. And I am looking forward to sleeping just a lot. <laughs> just sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. I am going to order a pizza later. <laughs> you enjoy that pizza, Molly. I am I'm mm. <laughs> Just my mouth is watering thinking about this pizza. <laughs> I can't stand it. Uh, I've been thinking about this pizza since last night. I was smelling it in my nostril, in my like phantom aura, <laughs> you know, space. I don't know what you what did she call it. Like space? my spirit flew up in the air <laughs> and it flew over to the pizza place. And it's like that's where I've been. That's where my soul has been at this pizza place for the past 24 hours. Um, but uh, my husband can't digest pizza well. Oh, so no. I was like, okay, well, I will wait <laughs> um, to get a pizza. I, mm-hmm. I had that's, sushi. that's my only plan. That's your only plan. I plan to get a hot dog. I had sushi on Thursday. So now like, I feel like I overindulged. Now I'm like, there's nothing like over getting over full on sushi. It's like you just feel like full of fish. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, I actually sushi. Like, I, I remember sushi. <laughs> and I'm I I'm proud of myself for trusting Midwestern sushi to begin with, because I was like, how That's fresh what? is this fish? Where is it coming from? <laughs> like, like there's no oceans nearby. Where are y'all Where is sourcing the ocean, this? Sir? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Laughing. Good. Uh, <laughs> And so, and then we, had we don't a, have any news. We don't have any news. I think so that's why we're so it, silly. So, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Tell me. Well, then we're, I had a four day weekend because our office at work flooded like and not. Oh. So we've had all those tornadoes and storms. So this was not tornado and storm water. This was bathroom oh. water. <laughs> the bathroom toilet, one of the toilets next door just started overflowing. And because the office is connected, it started pouring into the suite. Now I'm on a different suite. So my office is still dry, but I also got to leave early. So that was nice. Well, that's okay. That's not bad. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, sucks to be y'all. Y'all got to work in that toilet wet room. You're like, Oh, it couldn't be me, girl. It couldn't be me. Anyways, I'll see you on Tuesday. (laughs) Bye. Yeah. Bye. It's felt like a four day weekend. It feels like a Sunday today to me because I was off. Well, technically I was Uh, working from home, but I'm the worst at working from home. (laughs) So, um, but other than that, I don't know if we have any other news. Um, and I don't, don't want to do so. politics. Missouri's out here acting a fool, which is bold. Like this man was not elected. He needs to calm down and just like not steer us into a ditch. That's your only job. I feel like when you are like a president or a governor and you weren't really elected in that position. Right. Like, it's just, just like, hold on. Yeah. You just make sure the thing doesn't fall apart. You're not supposed to go out and do stuff. No right. one asked for this. Sir. Nobody asked you to. But we don't need to get into that. So I think other than that, I still haven't seen Detective Pikachu. Oh, I feel bad about that. I haven't either. One of a friend said, let's see it this weekend. And I was like, I'm on bed rest. <laughs> uh, 
But I am going to see it. I saw they pushed that Sonic movie back. They and needed to. He scared me. He was, that was some uncanny valley. It, I didn't like looking at it. And then, you know, on YouTube, all the, all the content was people reacting to that trailer. And they all took that same little screenshot of his creepy human eyes and his creepy Yeah, and his teeth. weird little human teeth. And it's like, I don't that's know. How, how he's eating all them chili dogs. And you know what? They didn't get um, Jaleel White to do it. And I think that was a mistake, too. I don't understand why. Like, we know he, he's not doing anything. I mean, not to be rude, but, like, what is Jaleel White doing he's that he doesn't around. have time to, right, to record you this? You know, my, uh, the assistant in our department said that he got into some trouble and that he's not a bad, he's a bad person. Jaleel and I White? forgot until just this moment that she said that. Yeah. And I was like, well, what? And then she wasn't able, like, she had to go. And it was like, <laughs> wait, what happened? Like, alluding that he had done something, like, really heinous. And I was like, wait, what? I'm Googling it now. Let me see. I don't, uh, it's so sad. If you Google Jaleel White, you don't even get Jaleel White as the top results. <laughs> you get other people. Uh, family Matter returns to TV. I don't know. I don't. If he did, it didn't make the news news. Uh, well, the only thing in the news is like he took his daughter to Walt Disney Studios. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We all know Urkel was a scumbag, but. <laughs> Always breaking into that family's home. Right? And he was he was gross with Laura. He was extra I'm fine gross. saying that. Stuff that. Would, that stuff would not fly in the year of our Lord 2019. He would be... He, he was is. a little narc. He was a little snitch. Um, he was a little, like, respectability politics monster. And he would not take leave this girl alone who said no to him. I do love... I think it's really interesting to see, like, the ideals of 90s cool when he becomes... Arkell. Stefan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stefan Arkell. Like, that's cool. He wears, like, the oversized blazer and he's got that high top <laughs> fade. I'm like, that's it. That's just, like, he's, like, the peak of what a man, attractive man looked like in the 90s. And it's, like, a yep. anthropological study. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. I'll, I'll maintain that the first season of that uh, show is still very good. That's because that's before Urkel stole really everything. Really took over. And we loved Urkel as a kid. Because he was just supposed to be a recurring character. Yeah, he was. And then he like, 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 I, I'm glad that there was like, you know, black weirdness on TV as like a sitcom and it didn't have to be like, oh, this is so cool. And everyone's like beatboxing and (laughs) break break dancing. dancing. (laughs) That's, you know, that of the Cosby show. I'm glad that they, there was a show where I could see a little black child be turned into a puppet um, (laughs) with his cop neighbor. (laughs) And they have to figure out how to turn themselves back. But as an adult, it doesn't hold up. Except for that first season, which is very good. I have to go rewatch it. I might have it, rewatched I, I've rewatched it in the past three months, okay? I was thinking, because you, like, you are definitive on it. I was like, I don't think I've watched an fi- episode of Family Matters this decade. No, that's not, no, that doesn't count. Never mind. College Humor has this whole, um very special episode series. Oh, it's yeah, where he gets the, drunk and does the Urkel. Yes, it does the Urkel dance. If you have not seen that series, it's the funniest thing I've seen on TV. That and Zach Morris is trash. It's hilarious. It's yeah, so those funny. are funny. Okay. I think we've talked about All right. <laughs> Let's get into this book. I think so. Because we had, I think, some pretty, some pretty strong opinions. At least you did, because like, yeah, you were sending those, so. those text messages to me. Like, Danielle, what is happening? <laughs> so... This month, 
episode. I never know how to talk. This is our 29th episode, by the way. We're almost at 30. 29? Oh. This month, we read American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson. This is her debut novel, but she has written for magazines, including Nylon and The Millions. And also, this is the second in her debut novel we read in a row. So, because my sister, the serial killer, oh, okay. was also a debut. That's yeah, true. So, um, I think, yeah. And I mentioned that because I think these books in their reception have similar issues, and we can get into that. Um, so I'll get into the synopsis. Spoiler alert, we're going to get into it. You all know that. And um, this book was sort of the way it was written. It takes place at all. It's not linearly told. It's not told linearly. It jumps around mm-hmm. in decades. We go from the 60s to the 90s to the 80s to the 70s. But I just sort of cut straight to the, like, I guess, plot, which affects all the yeah. action in the book. So, Sprained as a letter to her two young twin boys, written after an attempt on her life, American Spy tells the story of Marie Mitchell, a black intelligence officer with the FBI and her relationship with her children's father, Thomas Sankara, president of the newly founded country, Burkina Faso. Marie also shares detail about her childhood in New York, her relationships with her parents, her sister, Ellen, and the conflict she feels in her role with the Fed as a black woman. In 1987, feeling stifled with her duties managing informants, Marie takes on an opportunity to go undercover with the CIA and investigate Sankara and his fledgling government. CIA agent Ed Ross convinces her that the company is looking to hire more women aware that they can infiltrate places men can't. Marie takes this to mean that she's meant to be a honeypot, to lure Sankara into an uncompromising position for future blackmail material. As the instabilities of Sankara's government come to light, Marie learns that it wasn't the CIA who hired her after all. Ross is working with Daniel Slater, her late husband's, her late sister's husband, trying, who is trying to establish his own private intel company independent of the government. And Slater doesn't want blackmail material. He wants Marie to assassinate Sankara. Shaken by his methods and unable to kill Sankara, Marie instead shoots Slater in his bed and escapes Burkina Faso. Following the coup in the country and Sankara's own assassination, Marie learns she's pregnant. She hides away in Martinique with her mother and gives birth to her children, aware that Ross knows about the babies and is seeking revenge for her actions. And that's just... That's just the neat and tidy quick of it, because... There's yeah. a lot more. I feel like I say that every episode, <laughs> but there is. <laughs> so Molly, what did you think of American Spy? Um, so I was in a mood yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but today, you know, in the, the morning light days anew, I'm feeling more, you know, like charitable and generous. Um, it wasn't the book I expected it to be. Um, it was kind of, uh, I think, again, it was kind of marketed as this this spy novel. Um, and I think even, um, I'm going to pull up the Audible cover, because I know our dude, Paul Beatty, has a yeah, he blurb on it. there. Yeah, and he says, uh, let me see, let me pull it up. He says, American Spy lays our um, complicities, political, racial, and sexual bear, a stunning look at, at, and I don't have my glasses on. I'm going to turn the light on so I can read this. Would you like me to read it too? Thank you. It's like tiny. I'm like looking at my phone and it's like, what does this say? Uh, American Spy lays our complicities. I don't like that word. Is that even not I don't like it either. (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
story we struggling? American spy lays our complicities, political, racial, and sexual bare. A stunning book as timely as it is timeless. And I take issue with that. <laughs> yes, please continue. So what does he say? Um, political, racial, and sexual, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking this was going to be a political, racial, and sexual book. Um, <laughs> I was like, ooh, okay. You know that like meme that's going around of the guy and he's like, you know, like mugging for the camera and he's like, mm, mm-hmm. And he's got like the little hat on and the Bluetooth in his ear he was like hey auntie what you up to that's how i felt (laughs) like going into this book i was like "Ooh, yes you know i'm gonna have some fun but i i would say that it does it does well with the political um you told me that this was based on kind of a some true events um and i think that i learned a lot about kind of like intelligence agencies and you know the different kind of like uh government law enforcement agencies and how they operate and like, uh, you know, the, the African socialism movements and that kind of stuff that I felt was really good, but it was very dry how it was delivered. Um, mm-hmm. the racial, I think that she was trying to make a point of like Marie was like, she was always kind of lining up like the idea of being a spy with being black in America. Like you're, you're expected to act the way a spy does to survive. Like you're expected to kind of have to be more intelligent and play your hand and like Mm -hmm. slip into a society that doesn't want you and be like an enemy of the state. I think that's what she was going for. I don't know if those theories always connected because I don't think Marie as a um, narrator cared that much about that. And since this is all from her perspective to her kids, like, I think that she brings it up, but it's never really, it doesn't really, like, permeate the story so much. And then sexual, like, they cut away, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right, because it's a letter to her kids, so she's not going to be. To her kids. Yeah, so she's not going to be like, you know, and then your daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she wasn't going to do that. Yeah. I, I sort of agree with you. I feel like this book... This is why I brought up my sister, the serial killer. I feel like this book mm-hmm. and that book shared similarities where it's basically literary fiction mm-hmm. that's like wrapped in this genre package. So like you think you're going to get this spy book and it starts off like there's like a man who breaks into her house and she has to like kill him. Like it starts mm-hmm. out feeling like some kind of spy book and mm-hmm. you feel set up as if you're going to have to like, well, who's coming after her? Why are they coming mm-hmm. after her? Mm-hmm. That's all second. That's secondary to the main story which is actually just a piece of, it may not, it's not the most well executed piece of literary fiction, but it's, it's literary fiction. It's supposed to explore the themes of what it's like to be a woman working, what it's like to be a black woman working for, um, you know, an organization like the FBI or the CIA with the United States government. And it's supposed to explore her relationships with like her sister, her mother, and the men in the, the men in, Government and Thomas Sankara. To a lesser extent, Thomas Sankara. Yeah. And so, which is surprising. Like, so the whole thing about like, like you were saying sexual, I felt like this did not feel like she and this man had any kind of real relationship. It felt like she sort of had a crush. She like was Mm -hmm. taken in by this man with power. Not even really taken in. She was just like, oh, he's hot. And then they had a one night stand. Yeah, I would like to sleep with him, which is fine. And it's like, it's not... 
it's not the relationship the book sort of promised. So I feel like it's a weak piece of literary fiction wearing a genre disguise. So people are just sort of disappointed because either they wanted a good genre book, which they didn't get, or they wanted a really strong literary fiction book, which it didn't, you know, deliver entirely. Yeah. So, so that was that. I think the other thing I wanted to say about it was, um, in terms of the storytelling, it does try to address, and I think maybe you maybe realize maybe it's deeper than I thought, but all the things that deal with race and sexism Mm -hmm. in the book, they don't, it doesn't really get it. It seems kind of shallow. Like people will just blatantly ask her, you're a black woman. Why are you working for the fed? And she won't even give us like a good answer. Like she doesn't seem to be, she doesn't seem to experience that much conflict about it. Yeah. And it doesn't come through in, in her letter to her sons. Yeah. She doesn't in the, because it's the framing device they can talk about, but it's a little bit weird because she has like perfect recall. Um, <laughs> and she's so writing like, it to both of them which confused me at first i thought she had a child yeah and then she kept talking she, in yeah. plural and i'm like oh wait so there's two you're yeah. thrown right in so it's like you're thrown right in um so she doesn't like when someone asks her like why are you comfortable like you know as a black woman how how do you um basically like resolve this conflict of being a black woman working for these intelligence agencies are working for the FBI. And um, mm-hmm. like someone will ask her that and she won't give a question. She won't give a response in her answer to that question. And she also in the framing device, when she goes to explain the situation, doesn't reflect on it there either. Right. If that makes sense. Like she, she never answers it in any capacity. And maybe she does kind of, hints at it but it's like she's not reflective about it I guess is my point right because I went through after you like yesterday you were saying like she got mad whenever anyone asked Uh so in like the short period of time I had to look at the text I did this by audio by the way and then I finally got the library copy of the print one I went through to see what she replied when she was asked and from what I can Mm -hmm. tell her only um and the only motivation she had for joining the FBI was her sister she said she said, um, I applied because that because I applied because that all appealed to my competitive nature, but I stuck with being a fed because of my sister. I wanted to be the version of myself that she'd believed in. And honestly, we learn early on that her sister Helen wants to be a spy. She even as a yeah. kid, she like practices being a spy, which was kind of funny. We can get into that. But that always seems like her sister's dream, and she's just pursuing it because she loves her sister and that's what her sister wanted. Yeah. It seems like she doesn't have a lot of her own motivations because even the whole thing with Thomas Sankara and taking this on, she kind of said like when it's first presented to her, this mission or I guess mission, I don't know what you call it. Um, (laughs) We can call it mission. Spy. (laughs) Mission. She like, doesn't really want to do it. And then they're like, but do it. And she's like, okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, like I, when I was writing the synopsis and I was talking mm-hmm. about how, you know, she is tired of only managing the snitches and mm-hmm. then this opportunity comes up and I was like, I almost wrote, she jumps at the chance and I had to realize, well, actually she doesn't, she turns it yeah. down at first. Yeah. And then she's, and I think Ed has to come back and like, he basically dangles the fact that this Daniel Slater guy who she knew, knew her sister. Right. Asked for her. And that's what finally convinces her to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, 
I don't know. She's just kind of floating through this book, her own book. Yeah. The things are kind of happening, but she's just kind of rolling with it. The author tries to draw this connection between her and her father because her father is a cop. I really do feel like she really wants to explain the idea of like black people in these positions where they traditionally, you know, might be, you know, antagonistic to black people. Uh-huh. But it just feels like it never gets in there because we don't really learn why her dad got drawn. We learn how he got the job, but we don't really learn yeah. why. Yeah. And it's kind of like uh, she talks to, I think, Sankara and she's kind of like, oh, well, you know, he got back from the military and he got a job as a cop and we were able to afford nice things. So he took it and he did it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get that. But it's like, that makes it sound like there was only one path for black people to take. And that was to be a cop, to get like a middle class life. <laughs> and it's kind of like, uh, you know, it, even if you say like, that's, that's, uh, you know, he made that kind of sacrifice to put himself in this difficult position so he could uh, um, provide for his family, we still don't, we still don't like examine like the tension he might've felt. Like, even if you're, even if you and your core at your gut feel like you're doing something for the right reason, you might still experience like some doubt or have like, or uh, experience racism or experience like, you know, all those things that you were saying, but Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like what she said, it was because, um, he wanted to provide for us that it, it's like they didn't talk about it anymore. Yeah. And so, and then she has this, so when Ross is trying to convince her to become, to take this job and become an agent with the CIA, he sets up this dinner with him, his husband, we learn he has a husband. And so like the husband is sort of, pres- he, it's pl- told to us that the husband is sort of given the script to play this like sort of confidant I don't know how like radical role opposite of Marie to sort of be like this voice like I don't know how you as a black woman can work with all these bigots and blah 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 and she sort of gets offended by him which I can understand to a degree because he is presuming a lot about her experience Mm -hmm. as a black woman and the FBI Mm -hmm. and the CIA but she gets sort of offended and I'm kind of surprised because like it goes back to what you said about her getting angry and I just don't understand why she's always perturbed that people want to know why she would willingly work for the FBI. I don't know. Maybe she gets, maybe yeah. she's just tired of it being asked. Maybe at some point you're maybe. like, look, I'm doing it and you got to stop because Robbie, the neighborhood <laughs> kid who's, I liked Robbie. There's this neighborhood like kid Robbie named too. Robbie. Who's like this proto, not proto, but like this wannabe black Panther, but he's actually kind of just a thief. And he's like, yeah. why are you working for the man? Why are you entering their system? What did the, what did the, you know, what did, you know, other governments ever do to you? They didn't ever ever called you a nigger. And so like, you could, I guess maybe if she had just showed us more how she was tired of always having to defend her decisions. Yeah. To be something. a, yeah. Then maybe it would have worked, but it just felt kind of off putting because she's like, I'm tired of being asked this question when she, even in her own reflections, as he said, never answered it. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of made me think of bluebird, bluebird. Uh-huh. Um, oh yeah because... I forgot the cop's name <laughs> what was the cop's name in that I'll look up I one of our remember. old outlines <laughs> but it's you like, can talk you know, it I'll he... look up the outline <laughs> he is a um, Texas Ranger uh, like I think like mm-hmm. the second black Texas Ranger something like that and he again he doesn't it's not like he's super reflective about his role as a black man in law enforcement. But 
but I feel like he at least acknowledges it a little bit more, um, that character than Marie does, which I just thought was an interesting, yeah. like not Darren to say Matthews. one is good and one, Darren Matthews, not to say one is good and one is bad mm-hmm. or one is more believable than the other, but I think that if you want to explore that topic in the book, and if we're saying it lays out, you know, our complicities, the racial, then it, 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 like, I think he would talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. If that makes I think, sense. I think you're, yeah, because she just, she doesn't want to seem to talk about it. And then we don't ever see her really reflecting on it. I do think it does take an interesting turn in terms of sexism, because at one part in the book, so when she is the agent and Ed like approaches her, he never straight out says what he expect, what he wants or what he expects. He says, we want mm-hmm. you to gather intelligence. And mm-hmm. so she sort of infers two different things. At first she infers um, that, well, I mean, I guess it's the same thing. She infers that she's supposed to be a honeypot, that she's supposed to sleep with them to get information. And then later she sort of extrapolates that she's supposed to sleep with them to get him in a compromising position that they can use in propaganda to right. make him look bad. And so, right. because, yeah, because Ross says like, we need, the company is missing out on this opportunity. Women can do things that men can't. They can, you know, get and access people in places that men can't. So that's what she sort of infers about the honeypot thing. And she's really offended at first and she refuses to sleep with them until she does, I guess. Um, but um, that I thought was really interesting because it does sort of acknowledge like she's in this weird, gross position where she can either, you know, do something that's against your morals to move up in a job where you want to do good, or you can like stick to your guns and be stuck, you know, managing the neighborhood snitches. Yeah, which is which is an interesting, I think, uh, conflict that's brought up. But again, mm-hmm. I don't think Marie cares all that much. Because she's kind of <laughs> like, she's like, all right. And then it turns out that that wasn't even the quote unquote mission. No, it wasn't. Like they wanted her, they wanted her to kill him, and everybody figured it out. Like automatic, even Zakara like figured it out immediately. I don't know. I was like, how are you? Like, I don't know. That ending. I don't know if we want to jump to it. That ending took a real. It was like it, that took, took a real not dive in quality, but things got a little crazy. It's like we Do had. Do we want to start? Maybe like at the beginning and maybe yeah. talk about like her relationships with people. And yeah, we'll let's do there. that. Yeah. Um, so I think like her first, so it starts out um, like they're, uh, someone breaks into the house and she shoots them. Like I think in the face and kills them. Yes. Like, <laughs> and you're like, the... whoa. <laughs> and then she's like taking these two little boys and she like, she has like all these fake passports and she like flees to Martinique and you don't know what's going on. And, and this then, is when you think it's going to be like mm-hmm. a real high octane, like spy yeah. thriller. Like a man has been shot in the face on page five. Like we are right. into it. We are into it. Um, but then you realize that she's writing this letter to her two sons. And um, you kind of get the sense early on that uh, she's writing it with the perspective of they ever read it, then something has happened to her and she's right. not around anymore to explain these things. Um, and so, like you said, it's written to both of them, which was a little confusing at first, but I think, I think that worked like later Mm -hmm. on. Um, I don't know that it was like totally necessary that they were twins. I thought there was going to be like some symbolism or importance to them being twins, but I don't know. Maybe it's something I missed. I don't really know. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't throw you off long. It's just like, yeah. when the letter starts, she's talking to a you, a second person yes. you, and you don't mm-hmm. know how, like, you would just assume automatically it's one you, but then she starts talking about you all, Your the brother, two of you, you and all I'm like, wait, what? So there's more than names. one? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, and it, it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then she's like, okay, well, I want to explain to you how we got here. And then she goes, all the way back, like all the way back. And she's talking about like her, she starts with like her relationship with her mother and father and her mother was from like Martinique and mm-hmm. she moved to the U.S. like as a teen, she met the father. She had her two girls and then like the father and her like never really got along. So eventually she like bounced back to Martinique. Martinique. She was like, yeah, okay, Bye. Um, I will say the mother mm-hmm. I thought was the most interesting character. And I thought her relationship with her mother was the most interesting that, yeah. part of the story. Yeah. I actually thought that that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, Cause she has this like a pre- repressed abandonment issues and like all this anger towards her mother for leaving mm-hmm. her and her sister when they were little, but she never, uh-huh. they never hash it out. They never do, but she kind of goes back. And at the end, she kind of realizes like, her mother is like one of the only people who can, that she can turn to at the end mm-hmm. um, to like take care of her kids, her mother and her father. Um, and so she, I think probably one of the biggest influences on her is her sister, um, <laughs> Helen, Elaine, <laughs> Ellen. Ellen. It's, yeah, it's like a, the French pronunciation of, it's spelled Helen, but the audible narrator kept pronouncing it Ellen. Which I liked. It's like she would have a, a French accent when they were speaking in French. And yes, then like, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I get it. That's um, the same narrator from Children of Blood and Bone. So I will uh-huh. say her French accent is much better than her West African accent because that yeah. was just full Miss Cleo. <laughs> it was not great. And she did, um, she's star too, right? She's from, yeah, she's uh, done a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's done a she, lot on the come up or not on the come up. Uh, 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 the hate you give. Uh, the hate you give. Um, she might do on the come up too. I don't know. She probably um, will. I mean, <laughs> so uh, her sister is a few years older than her, and she's described as I think she's described as really pretty too, right? Like she keeps always comparing them them, and like uh, Marie always kind of compares herself unfavorably to her sister so her sister is like um really out there very intelligent even though she kind of like does poorly in school yeah Um, i don't know if it was because of her prettiness though there seems to be she's like obsessed with a parents having a favorite because she does this with her aunt yeah she does with her aunt and her mother too she's like she wonders who her grandmother's favorite is amongst her aunt and her her mother and then she sort of gets it into her head that elaine is her father's favorite yeah because they're like skinning a deer at some point. <laughs> like, oh yeah, and she gets sick and she has to leave. I'm like, what? I forgot all about that scene. <laughs> um, so Elaine kind of like assumes like kind of the mother older sister role. She's taking care of Marie. There's a really interesting aside, and I want to talk about this in two ways. So there's a very interesting aside, and I thought that this was a good story to kind of explain Elaine's personality. That they're, they were at, like, the Y or the pool or something learning to swim. Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're going to talk about. Yes. <laughs> because their father is, like, I don't know. He has a whole thing about swimming. Both um, of their parents. 
Well, the mother grew up on an island, which I, okay, I get it. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you, know, you didn't know how to swim. Yeah. And then the father is like, did you, I tell you, I learned to swim naked. At the water. <laughs> so they go there and there's this girl who's kind of a bully. She grabs her, she holds her head under the water. Um, and uh, uh, she tells the sister and the sister's like, huh. And then like over the next, I don't know, like year Couple months. I don't it's know. It's a long, long con. time. Yeah. yeah, it's a long con where Elaine befriends this girl and they're hanging out all the time and like uh, Marie's hanging out with them and she thinks everything's cool. And then one day, like uh, <laughs> Elaine just turns and beats the dog shit out of this girl. <laughs> like girl. just beats her in front of beats her ass in front of everybody. Her name's Rhonda. Yeah, Rhonda. Yeah, that's the little girl's name. And then, um, and then uh-huh. Marie asks her, like, what happened? Did she do something? What did she say? She's like, no, I was getting her back for her uh-huh. attempting to, for when she tried to drown you at that pool. She's like, spies have to be able to embed themselves. Right. And to, like, get to know people even if they don't like them. Right. Oh, Which is cold shit. It's cold. It's way more interesting than any of the stuff that Marie was talking about in her childhood. It was... Um, it was a highlight it, moment of the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's cold blooded. So that's, that's a good story. But again, and I might come back to this a few times in the context of a letter to her sons about who their actual father is, why their mothers disappeared <laughs> and uh, why she shot a man in the face in their house. I didn't really care about Rhonda. It was like, this is another side we don't need. I mean, yeah, it doesn't fit into the larger narrative. I think that's where that framing device weakens the whole story because then anytime something that's not relevant to the letter she's trying to tell them, you're like, why is this being told? Why, like, why do these boys care? Yeah, because she spends a lot of time kind of on our childhood in New York. She mm-hmm. talks about how the sister went to Martinique and there's a picture of her milking cows and how she got her grandfather's apartment because they knew the father would just just sell it. Yeah. There's a lot of details that you're like, where is this going? going? I do want to talk about Elaine for one other thing. You asked this yesterday. And like, as soon as you asked it, I got really like conspiracy theory about it. Elaine dies before the book starts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we're ever told straight up what happened to her. And because yeah. this book involves so many elements where, you know, you could literally kill a person and then get away with it. Like you're working for the government as a CIA operative. And at one point mm-hmm. they even tell Marie, if you don't do what we tell you to do, you know, we have clearance <laughs> to kill you. Yeah. And so you start questioning what happened to her sister. She, she reflects on the funeral and we're told she was in a car accident in Vegas. Yeah. And I guess we don't really have a reason to second guess that, except the only other person who was in the car, the other person who was in the car accident with her is Daniel Slater, who we learned right. is a little iffy. Right. He and came like, away with a few scratches. Yeah. And it's like, uh, so she meets him. She goes down. Uh, Elaine, like, joins the military, like, kind of out of the blue. Yes. <laughs> Even Robbie's like, why did you do that? Um, and so she, um, uh, Marie goes down to visit her in North Carolina. It's the last time she sees her. And, um, she says that she's sitting with all these white guys and there's this one white guy with like blue eyes. who's like hella creepy. <laughs> and so then, um, later we find out like Elaine says, well, that's my boyfriend, Daniel Slater. And, um, uh, Marie's kind of like, okay. And then they're driving up back to New York to visit 
Um, and Elaine calls her and is very cryptic on the phone call. Like, I have something to tell you. You don't really know until later what it even might be. But mm-hmm. then she, like, hangs up. And then later they find out that uh, there was this uh, uh, car crash. Like, at the, um, they crashed and she died. Mm-hmm. Elaine doesn't find out until the funeral when she sees Slater that he was in the car with her. And then even later after that, she finds out that they were in Vegas and they got married. Right. So there's like a lot of loose threads with what happened to the sister. And then, like you said before, she goes to uh, do this mission because she can talk to Slater again. But she never really gets any resolution outside of like, it was a car crash. We also get this disturbing story from her father about how he Mm -hmm. went to visit her and she like had to ask permission like he asked her to like come out, like come come get something to eat or come talk to me, and she has to ask uh-huh. Slater's permission, and permission's right. like, and he's like, no. So you get this really creepy, like this really sense of something is not right, and I'm really right. mad that the story had a lot of interesting threads that it didn't pick up on. Yeah, and it sort of like gets dropped because it's like I really want to know like. Well, was, was he, did he hurt her sister? Was it actually yeah. an accident? Did she die in the did line of work? Did they get involved with something? Like, were they both involved with something? Did she get recruited? Like, I had a lot of questions and all the were more interesting to me than <laughs> the whole thing with uh, Sankara, honestly. Yeah. The Sankara thing was kind of underwhelming. Because like I said, it felt like a one-sided crush. Can we talk about Sankara now? Because. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's everything with. Elaine. I think yeah. the next biggest influence is probably Sankara. Yeah. He was a real person. He, there was a real, it's a real country. This is a real coup. Everything he did, they, they said in the book, like vaccinating all the children and, and making all the um, higher ups wear those uniforms. Everything I think they said is supported by fact, which made this kind of weird. Like, <laughs> it yeah. felt like you're reading an African communist fanfic. <laughs> it's just like a self insert fanfic. And it was just a little odd. Yeah. Like I, as an author, that's like me writing like a 1960s spy novel where like, it's like that I was there too. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I had an affair with Malcolm X and like I had his baby and like there was like, it's just, I just can't, me as an author, that'd be really weird. Yeah. Be really weird. So I'd like to know, I think it'd be interesting to hear her decision on why she, cause I thought she would make something up. I've been reading all these romances and made up countries. I would have taken mm. a made up country. Yeah. Yeah, or like a made up mission. Just go to Russia. It's big enough. Pick, yeah. yeah. Or like some other random made up African communist. I didn't, it was just weird that we picked a real life guy who was yeah. actually really murdered by his VP. Yeah. I would, I would be interested to hear like why she thought that. It was like a conspiracy. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, are there more conspiracies about this? Like, are there more stories like you know, maybe there was more involvement. Was there like a mysterious woman we don't know about? And this is her yeah. story. That'd yeah. be kind of interesting, but I just, I don't know enough about it. So. Cause like, well, I guess, I guess I wasn't as weirded out when a history of seven, a brief history of seven killings did it. Like it mm. takes Bob Marley's assassination attempt and it makes a whole story about that. But mm. he's such a tangent, ah, you know the word I'm trying to say, tangential figure in the story. Mm. Like, he pins all those characters together, but their main happenings and goings on are with other fictional characters. Yeah. No this one. is like a whole, this is like the whole thing that happened. And it's like, kind of like Forrest Gump. Yeah. You know, where it's like, 
<laughs> he's like in every big thing that happened for like a 30 year span. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. And it was just, it was just kind of odd. Cause I went in, okay, I'm uneducated. We'll go, I'll go that. I don't, I'm not hip on my 1980s African communist. I didn't realize he was a real person going in. I learned that like three quarters of the way in. And oh, just, I learned when you told me. <laughs> and it changed the story for me. I was like, well, this is kind of weird now. And also I knew yeah. how it was going to end. Cause I saw the wiki page. Oh yeah. So, yeah, was, I don't know. Interesting, interesting yeah. choice. Thomas Sankara but, was presented. Mm-hmm. It was weird because he was sort of sympathetic because he did have all these. Now I'm just talking about a real person. Again, it's weird. He right. did have all these like really good ideas. He was really concerned about improving health among the poor, uh, cutting like wasteful government spending. But we also read that he sort of has this like authoritarian, authoritarian. Ah, why can't authoritarian? Yes, thank you. I think that I was saying that, asking if that was correct. <laughs> he's kind of got like you know tyrannical leanings a despot leaning Uh like he he doesn't want a multi-party well he he says that we he could not take western democracy and just plant it in africa because the cultures are different which you know i guess has some validity to it but he does have some sort of like you know tyrant leanings to him so he was an interesting character but i mean his storyline with marie was just kind of yeah yeah, so it's like he, he shows up. So Marie at this point, she's working for the FBI. She's kind of handling informants. She has this spy in this like socialist group. Um, she keeps needing for pancakes. But then she like <laughs> fires her like without getting permission or something. Because I don't know. I don't know exactly why she fired her. I think like, I don't know if it was like her like, uh, feeling kind of trapped by her position or if she was just tired of the girl. <laughs> I don't really know. But um, so she's been working with to get information on this group and this group has invited Sankara uh, to speak after he comes to the uh, um, UN because mm-hmm. he's coming to New York. And so um, uh, Marie... That's when she is presented with this mission with the guy and his husband. And they're kind of like, oh, they're extremely vague. This part I thought was actually interesting. They're very vague about exactly what they want her to do. Just gather intelligence. And her first thought is uh, they want to do the honeypot. Then they want me to get them in a compromising position to take pictures. But it's all on her. And she admits that later. Like, they really didn't (laughs) see what they wanted her to do. They just wanted her to get close to him. Um... And she does almost immediately. Um, she goes and pretends to be like she works for the UN. Um, they, she goes to see the speeches, and she like they have like a fun night on the town. They go to like a <laughs> bar, and he gets up and he starts like playing. What does he the play? Guitar. He plays the, the guitar. guitar. <laughs> um, and so she's like totally. I don't think she's in love with him, but she's kind of like, yeah, I'd have sex with him. She's drawn which to him, is, yeah. She's drawn to him, which is a very interesting, and maybe it goes with her whole kind of personality, and maybe it goes with the way that the book is written. How I kind of said it was dry. I think that that's true to her character. Like, so I don't she's think just a she's, boring person. Not boring, but just very like she's not excitable. She's not someone who's gonna be like laughing and telling jokes. She's not someone who's gonna get too excitable, anything like that. She's just a very like. Uh, reserved personality. Yeah. And I think that that comes through in her writing. I think that comes through in pretty much every interaction she has with literally anyone in this book. Um, 
So with her relationship with him, it isn't like, you know, she sees him and all of a sudden she's like, oh my goodness, or she's so moved by his words or all this stuff. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'm drawn to him. I find him attractive. Let's go back to my place. <laughs> He's slick though. He does not let himself be alone with her for the, until he is. I think the, right? until that night where they sleep together. Right? Because he he knows immediately that she's an assassin. <laughs> because at first you think that he knows immediately they're trying to trip him up. And you're kind of like, okay, well then why would he go to her apartment at all? I, I didn't really get that until you find out later that he's like, oh no, she's an assassin, but she's cool. I guess I could hang out with her. Well, I need she a place to change my clothes. She, she doesn't realize she's an assassin, which I guess is the she safest assassin realize. to be with. She doesn't realize, but I feel like he realized... I feel like he knew from the beginning. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. That's the safest person. Yeah. So he's like, I don't care. She don't know. He's like, oh, you're real cute. She don't know. Like, she don't know. Yeah, like you're oh, the safest well person. Yeah. Eat some. Do they have chicken and waffles? I can't remember what they have. They. I thought they went to a Chinese restaurant. Pan oh, Pan. She goes to Pan Pan a lot. Uh, yes, that's correct. That is right. Somebody, so. the baby eats waffles. Somebody eats waffles. I can't yeah. remember. The little baby. The, the I just ate some waffles. So, <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So Thomas is just an interesting character. And he has his little entourage, including his VP. And mm-hmm. the things that are happening, basically we learn that the United States government, so there's some politics in here. And I think Molly's mm-hmm. right. The politics is good. The United States government is trying to get, they've got a guy on the inside on an opposing party that they're trying to get elected president or who they're trying to get to push for multi-party elections because he's for what they're for this is basically at the height of the cold war where we don't want to give communism any leeway um so they want this they have this candidate they're backing who they want who this student group that they're also backing who they want to get into the presidency and so to do that they're like spreading propaganda about him talking about how you know they call him a schizophrenic a lot, which is kind of yeah. a weird insult. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and so they're spreading all these rumors and propaganda. And it, I think at one point it starts to be successful. Like he gets, it seems like Thomas gets a bit shaken up mm-hmm. by his, some of his reception in, in his home country. He's very pan-African as he's very, you know, we're here for the poor and for the villagers and all that. He doesn't want to allow the multi-party elections, but it seems like, you know, the, the, the the room is going the other direction because of the work these American intelligence officers have been pushing. Because mm-hmm. they say Daniel Slater's just sitting in his office, like, cranking out. Yeah! He's building, like, a little hand press. <laughs> have we talked about Daniel Slater? Should we talk about him? This motherfucker's yeah, crazy. He's crazy. This motherfucker's crazy. Like, but we don't know to what end. I know, because... <laughs> like, he's crazy. But before we had- find out anything, he did. Exactly. <laughs> the ending came so rapid fire fast. We know that mm-hmm. basically he's setting up his own like private intelligence industry. And like we, right. are, we learned he has some Russian officer who's maybe dead. Like she points out this body. In a of cell, a Russian- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and we like, don't even so know she if he's meets dead. Him. She meets him the first time in North Carolina. She's like, he crazy. She meets him at the funeral. <laughs> She's kind of like, okay. She meets him in um, uh, the uh, NGO that he's supposedly running. That's the cover. Mm-hmm. The cover. And he's kind of, like, she kind of, like, brings up that she wants to learn about the sister. 
And he's kind of like, well, she died in a car crash. Like, you know, we were married. You didn't know that? Okay. He's like, okay, go pick up this for me. And then she's kind of dismissed. And then later (laughs) she comes back and he's like full on like evil. Full on insane. He's like, (laughs) oh, um, he takes her back. There's like literally a cell in like this hidden bunker or whatever. And there's like a dead man in it. And uh, Marie's like, he dead? And Slayer's like, who? Oh, him? I guess. I don't really know. There, you wanted like, to anyway. use him for a hostage exchange, but I'm like, yeah. he's dead. <laughs> and he's like, anyway, here's a, here's the poison that I want you to kill Sankara with. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck? This is also when she learns that he has absolutely no ties to the CIA. And in fact, he like he shows up at the CIA office and you get the feeling that they really don't want they him there. Don't like, want him there. Like, like they don't even want him stealing the coffee. <laughs> At this point, I like started picturing him like Jim Jones, like just just this crazy guy in a jungle with his yeah. own like like he goes full insane, and so he's only insane for a few pages, and she breaks into his house and shoots him in his bed. Yeah, and it's like I was a little bit con- confused about the timing. So she learns that um, Daniel wants her to kill Sankara. Mm-hmm. They go out of the country, and they're like on like are they on a preserve or something? And he's looking at some big animals in Kara, and she's like, uh, they want me to kill you. And he's like, oh, I know. And then oh, she's I like, it's your she, VP. I don't even think she realizes it at that point. Oh, I thought that that was after he gave her the uh, the poison. I don't think, I think she goes to the, she, go, she shows up in Africa. She has this really wild time trying to get to the NGO. She's no, like, this <laughs> is after all that. Yeah, right. So, so I was just going to go through the rundown. She has a really, she gets to the uh-huh. NGO. She meets Slater. He's like, we need you to get close to Sankara. So then she goes uh-huh. back. She shows up and meets Sankara. He's slightly surprised to see her in Africa as uh-huh. anybody would be. Uh-huh. And so that's when she starts. Um, so she sees him that first day. And then he gives um, some kind of speech to the kids and they walk right. around. And then she goes back home that night. This a separate day where um, she, I'm getting my days mixed up too. So it's another separate day where she, they are in the reserve and they're hanging out and there's like these student elections. And I think it's that oh, night. Oh, no, 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 no. So the reserve is when they leave to go to his father's country. That's like way later. And at that point, she knows because they set her up in the hospital. And this is after the whole thing. Like, if you don't do this, we're going to kill you because he's asked her a few times. So, yeah, I was like farther ahead. I was going by like when each time she saw Slater and like how he got progressively like more and more crazier. Yeah. I don't think like evil just feels like he just a little crazy. Just. I don't know. The book gave some credit credence to the idea that you could create your own intelligence agency and just Is that a do thing? what you know. want. But at the same time, it just sounds so bonkers. Like, yeah. Like, cause it was like, they implied that of course the government wants you to do that. Cause then you can do all the dirty stuff they can't. And then not, they don't have to claim any responsibility for it, which I guess like seems like something the government would do. But at the same time, that just sounds nuts. Okay. I guess I got my days mixed up. The end was a, it was a blur. It was all Yeah, lot that's what I was talking about, the end. So yeah. she went, she goes, they go out of the country, they go to the wildlife preserve. Um, and that's when she like confesses everything to him. He's like, I know. They are driving back to uh, his country where they see the kids and everyone's cheering. And they like kind of drop her off. <laughs> and then he leaves to be killed. And then she, <laughs> this is where I get confused about the, the timeline because she... 
or she leaves, she's in like the desert and she gets picked up by some guy. Then she's on the motorcycle. Yeah. That's after they sleep together and she shot Slater. And now knowing that she shot Slater, knowing that'll get back to Ross, she realizes she has to get out of the country because now she's in danger of being killed. Okay. It'll get back to Ross. When she shot him, I thought that he dropped her off and she like went on her little adventure, then came and shot Slater. But she shoots Slater think, and then she flees. Yeah, because I think she okay. flees with Sankara. Sankara goes off to be murdered. I like how we keep saying that. Like, he knows it's going to hang. He's like, okay, it's off for me to go. But I feel like now. he did know. He had, had like some he idea some stuff was happening. Yeah. He's kind of reserved, which I would be like, I, you seem to like your wife. That probably would have <laughs> spent my last couple of days with her, you know, but whatever. <laughs> So then she, after she realizes she can't, so this is when she makes the decision that she can't kill him. So she knows that now she's going to be a target. So she goes and she takes the preemptive strike, shoots Slater. She knows now that Ross will figure out what she's done because Sankara was not killed by them. And I'm Uh sure, because they were working, I think, with that VP. So the VP was like, you know, fuck the United States government. You want to do something right, you do it yourself. So he (laughs) was to kill Sankara. So Ross knows she didn't do what she was sent there to do. So now she's on a list. So she sort of like has to smuggle her way out of uh, Burkina Faso. And she goes into Ghana. And when she's Mm -hmm. in Ghana, she's like walking, walking, walking. That's when she goes across the desert. She nearly dies of exposure. This family finds her. And they take her to the hospital. And then from there, she's able to get from the airport. I think she flies straight to Martinique from there. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. I don't remember if she makes a pit stop in the U.S. I think she goes to Paris. She goes somewhere. It happened in such a short span of time. I have the the text here. really fast. I was going to say, even when I was listening to the part where she killed Slater, that shit happens so fast. Like she's talking about climbing the fence forever. And then she gets it and she shoots him. And I, I had to like play it back. Cause I was like, did I miss something? Who did she shoot? What the hell just happened? Oh, oh here we go. Slater. I said, and then I kicked him awake. Although he was still drowsy. His eyes were open when I shot him. And then she just like runs out. Yeah. She spends more time haggling for gas with those kids on the border of Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> she does. So I'm trying like, to see why did you shoot him? I would at least make him give me more information about my sister. Right. If that's the reason she came and it's like, okay, Zenkar is dead one way or the other. I would have been like, yeah. y'all are nuts. I want out. Like, tell me about my sister. I'm going to threaten you with this gun and then I'm going to skip the country. Like, because then she kills him and then that is why she becomes a target. Yeah, she because she kills him. Yeah, so now Ed knows that she knows she's she's she killed Slater and she knows what their dirty doings are. So he's she's got to go. And he yeah. even tells her he threatens her one out that if you don't do if you don't complete this mission, we can kill you. Like yeah. we will kill you. And I guess like my question to that again is why? <laughs> like I can't <laughs> understand why all these people got in here. What they really wanted from her. Why, like, she seemed reluctant the whole time. Don't bring a reluctant assassin into your organization. And then don't tell her she is an assassin. She said this whole time, like, she's just supposed to seduce the guy. Could you imagine if she did that? She came like, well, I did what you told me to. And, like, right. they're like, where's the body? He's like, it's the bed where I left. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, if they really, if they really just wanted this guy dead, and they really didn't want to, t- they really couldn't trust her to get it done, set her up as a honeypot. Y'all just wait in the house and then like 
storm the room while they're drunk, storm the room and kill both of them. Yeah. Like that, that would have solved all their issues. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, so I think, and then, so Ross, the book tells it Ross has to kill or Ross wants to kill her because of her failure to complete the mission and probably in revenge for killing Slater because that was like his business partner. (laughs) That's what I would assume. But it seems like he takes his sweet ass time doing it too, right? Because those kids are five. And it's like she's living in Connecticut. He sends a stuffed elephant to her in Martinique when she's pregnant. Yeah. So, like, that's a sign that he, one, knows exactly where she is, and two, knows she's going to have a baby. Right. So it's kind of like, I, and then you wait and wait and wait, and they're five. He's like, oh, yeah, Marie. Send the assassin. <laughs> Maybe he's just a drama queen. Maybe he just likes the effect. He's like, I'm going to let you dangle. And then one day when you least expect it, you're going to be comfortable enough to move to Connecticut of all places. I would right. be in Montana. I would be on a ranch in like, I don't know, maybe it's easier to kill you when no one can hear you scream. But like, I'd be on someplace on a compound in the middle of, you know, big sky country. I'm not going to be in a suburb and that close to DC. Are you kidding me? Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just so the ending. <clears throat> so she is pregnant and then they kind of explain, you know, how she gives birth, you know, reconciliation kind of with her mother before uh, mm-hmm. she, she goes back to the U.S. And then the, the ending ending, the yeah. ending where you kind of find out about this letter. So Robbie, her high school sweetheart, has come to Martinique <laughs> on a fake passport. <laughs> you know what? I want to take this time. Robbie is a real G because let me tell you, if I knew you had the FBI and the CIA trying to assassinate your ass, and they had actually sent a man into your house and you had to shoot him in the face, I'd be like, I can provide you financial support. I will give you moral support. He has a kid. I was going to say, I'm probably going to stay here with my kid. Exactly. Why are you jumping each other in high school? (laughs) I wish some high school friend would come to me and be like, look, the government's trying to kill me. Can you give me a ride? I'd be like, no. Who are you? you? Exactly. (laughs) Leave me out of it. Like, you know, so, you know, props to Robbie because he's a real G. Uh, another kind of thing I'm not, uh, if I was the kid reading the letter, I'd be like, why would you spend so much time talking about the dog running away? <laughs> I, the dog was funny. I don't know why. I was glad he didn't get shot. I was going to say yeah, that. That's true. I was like, if anything happens to this dog, I'm dropping this book and I'm going to tell Molly I couldn't finish it because I am not here. <laughs> I'm not here for dogs getting uh, hurt. <laughs> so um, they're all in Martinique with the boys who are five now and so you kind of find out she's writing this letter and she's like well I have to do something you know I've hidden this letter away and it, it gets more immediate and she's kind of like I have to make sure that you're safe so I'm gonna go do this thing and you might not understand but I hope that this letter will explain everything if I'm not there to do it for you me and Robbie are going on this mission we're gonna we're gonna make it a world so you can like be a little bit safer and live in that uh, condo in Harlem. And um, <laughs> and then she like cocks her gun and walks off. <laughs> She's like going to have... straight up go murder Ross is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's your book. Yeah. It seemed like a pro, this book seemed like a prologue to that book. And it was kind of like, well, I kind of want to know what happened. <laughs> Leave him wanting more, Molly. Leave him wanting more. I guess. I, I guess so. I don't know. What did you think about that ending? 
the I was just so sort of blown away by how fast like those, that's a lot of big things that happen. She Sankara gets killed, Slater gets killed. She has to go on the run. You're right. She ends up going to London and Paris, and she sort of bounces around before going back to Martinique. She learns she's pregnant. She reconciles with her mother. That's a whole another emotional beat. She's in Martinique, paranoid. Then she gives this birth to this baby, and then they're hanging out, and there's so much happening that I felt like, honestly, the last 20%, if the book had just picked up with her in Martinique, or not Martinique, in um, Burkina Faso after she mm-hmm. shot Slater, she could have stretched out this entire last portion to be its own book. Yeah, I think so too. Like we could have gone with her. She's in London and Paris and her, like the paranoia. I can only imagine yeah, the paranoia like, you oh, have. Yeah. There's this woman, she's pregnant. Like you have no idea why she keeps saying like she did this thing. She's got to run. She's hopping from country to country. Yeah. Like, people are after her. Is it the FBI? No, it's not. It's this independent person. I don't know anything about. She yeah. shot a guy like. You know, the emotional beats with their mother, her and her best friend are going to kill somebody. That seems more like... That's the story, really. That's the story, yeah. And it feels... It's not as bad as Queen Sugar. Nothing will ever be that bad. But it did sort of feel like, oh, we got to wrap this up. So Slater yeah. died. I'm in Martinique now and I had a baby. And it's like, woo, we just... The, a lot of stuff that. happened in that paragraph. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was like two chapters. Yeah. Where Where is like the speech... And the trip to the bar and the condo, like that would go on. So it was just, the pacing was a little, I think the writing was okay. Yeah. It didn't like blow me away, but it was okay. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. I've read I some agree. terribly written things this year and I'm really like sensitive to it now. I just, I just think the pace, I just, I don't know. It's neither a really strong literary fiction and it's neither a really exciting genre fiction. Yeah. So it's sort of in the middle. I gave it three stars. I give it about that. Yeah. So I think that first chapter will really set you. I think she kind of sets you up for disappointment with that first chapter. Cause yeah. it's just so, so exciting. Like there's a break in, she's fighting them. There's a gun. The action's really well paced. Like she writes action mm-hmm. pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it's just a letter and we're in, we're yeah, at the Harlem Y. Like slows down. <laughs> we're at the Harlem Y. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I would recommend it. If you're curious about it, I would say read it. I'd agree. Um, <laughs> I would think if you're... Uh, I think if you're, like, hearing the hype and stuff, that it's not gonna... I don't know. You might have a different opinion. For me, it didn't live up to the hype, and I probably... Like, if someone just came up to me and said, like you're doing literally right now, and I'm trying to couch it and be polite, if someone said, should I read this book? I would probably say No. I guess, I guess I didn't sense a lot of hype around it. I sort of miss like, I guess the literary hype. I only know this book because you, you suggested the book this time. And I was like, oh, that Uh, sounds cool. So as someone who was just like, oh, here, check out this book. It was fine. Like it wasn't promised to be anything huge for me. So I think it worked. Yeah. Maybe that's it too. So I I don't know. It's getting good reception. It's getting good. Mixed to good reception, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm always, like, I don't want to see an author's debut novel, especially a black woman's author debut novel, just, like, fail Tank completely. Do not, yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's, it's not that. It's definitely not that. Yeah. Um, but it just, if I were to put, like, because now I think, like you were saying, uh, debut novels and comparing this to uh, My Sister the Serial Killer, um, mm-hmm. if you had only so much time to read a book, 
I would say read that one over this one because I think that it's just a little tighter. The themes are stronger. The characters are a little stronger. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess that would be my only <laughs> takeaway. So if I'm like, okay, in my limited time on this earth, what am I going to read? <laughs> Do I want to read a debut novel if I'm going down this line? Because it's not a spy novel. Like you said, the writing is not super duper strong where it's like uh something like again bluebird bluebird which i think we were kind of like in that same place it's like oh i was mm-hmm. confused by this but i think the writing in that is really strong um yeah. so if i'm gonna read a debut novel or recommend one that is kind of genre-y light i would go with my sister the serial killer over this one yeah I will say, because you brought up Bluebird, Bluebird, and the more you do it, the more I realize it does have a lot more in common, I think, than I initially thought. You both have these char- like black characters in roles with law enforcement that you traditionally don't see black characters in. And it, I don't know if she plans for this to be a series. Like, Lauren Wilkinson has written the ending to feel like, oh, this is the start of another novel. But I don't know, She may this may be a one and done I think it, it kind of felt like that to me, even though it yeah. does feel like it's setting something up. Yeah. Bluebird, Bluebird is much more genre. And I think because of that, she's a, she is allowed to maybe not have to lean so heavily on trying to say something. And we get more of the action yeah. and the excitement. I mean, the more I look back on Bluebird, Bluebird, the more like, I guess, forgiving I am of it. Because I think when I first read it, I was disappointed. But I am excited to read that second one. Like when it comes I out, I'll probably read it. it. Yeah. Yeah. My opinion of Bluebird Bluebird has softened the further we get away from it. Um, um, I was just mad that he was so naive. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, there were other things going on, but then I feel like there were really, there were other strong characters in that. Like, his mom yeah. is, like, hella wild. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, everyone has a dark secret. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, let me ask you one more question before we move on. Uh-huh. What do you think happened after this book? What do you think? How do you think it actually ended? You mean like what happened to her? What happened to Marie? Yeah. Marie got killed. Like, come on now. I think you, so too. <laughs> you and this petty thief from New York are going to go try and kill a CIA agent or I don't remember if he, I think Ross was with the CIA. I don't think he was with the FBI. I think he was. But he's yeah. going to try and kill a CIA agent who wants to kill you and clearly knows where you are and can find you and has the resources of the United States government to do so. I'm sorry, Marie. You should have just stayed on that island with your kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, mm, so I don't know. And on that note, that's kind of depressing. I don't know. It was just. Yeah. And it's kind of like maybe if she had been like a little more melancholy or like farewelly at the end, maybe she was trying to do that. But she again, she's like so reserved and her emotions are just so like subtle. Like if I was writing it. If I was the author and I was writing it and I was like, okay, in my mind, because it kind of seems like this is being read because she died. Um, right. Like she's preparing. And like now you say that she's preparing to go to what is basically a suicide mission. And this is her leaving her note. Exactly. I would be kind of more like show the emotions, like the fear and the sadness that you might never see your kids again. And you're doing yeah, the it, regret, the regret. Yeah. Because in your mind, you feel like this is the only way that they can be safe. But I don't really get that from the ending. It's kind of more like, uh, you know, I want you to be able to live there. And uh, I got to go with Robbie. It's kinda, but why? Why you got to go? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, 
I think it's an like it's not the worst. It's not terrible. And I think there are a lot of interesting points. I think some of the questions and I think that some of the more interesting threads and themes didn't get explored, just sort of weakened it. Cause yeah. there's a lot of really interesting stuff here. She could have explored like the whole yeah. sister thing. If this just focused on like, if we stopped, dropped the whole thing about her, why do you keep working for the fed? Like, why are you working with the fed uh-huh. sort of lessen the thing with her mom and her father and just focused on her relationship with her sister and how she did this just yeah. to learn more about her sister that would strengthen the whole thing with Slater and then maybe yeah. he could have been introduced earlier and we could have seen his progression to full on crazy, you know, a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. It could have been played out a little bit a better. Position. Yeah. If it was even like they never left the country and she did all this and like the whole like impetus of it was she, there was something weird about the way her sister died and she yeah. spent her whole life trying to figure out what that was. She could have went that way. She could have dropped all the stuff in New York have been like we said, like just this pregnant woman on the run from who knows what people are out to get yeah. her. She could have had, she could have dropped all of that and just said, oh, she's this uh, honeypot for this guy, Sankara. She's getting into his inner circle and there's all the poli- political intrigue and stuff of him. And she learns about the coup and that's her lover. And she has to say something like there were more, there were a lot of threads, I think, that she could have like followed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And still had the same ending where it's kind of yeah. like the same ambiguous ending, the same, I got to do this and we don't exactly know what happened. But I think because so many things were dropped, it felt like that was another loose thread at the end instead of yeah. like an ending that you're supposed to be like, whoa. Yeah. That's supposed to leave you wondering, like sad about what's going to happen next. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I mean. I think we wrap that up. I was going to get this on Kindle and I saw it cost $13 and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm so cheap on Kindle because for $13, I'm like, well, I'll give you another two bucks and just get the print just version. get the book. Yeah. Yeah. But then I didn't want the book. So you had me. I was like, you know what? Molly says I can just return my Kindle, my audible credits. So just it's return. the audible. Yeah. So I think, I think yeah. the audible was good. Uh, it was, I did it listen at like, 1.25 speed. So there you go. You shamed me. <laughs> I didn't mean to shame you. I was just like, <laughs> I'm like impressed because every time I sit there and listen to it, I get mad. Like I had Obama's book and I tried to play Obama um, Becoming on Alyssa. Uh-huh. And like, I was going to pull my own hair out because it feels like they've actually slowed her down. I don't know if I'm so used now to going so fast that hearing them speak at that actual speed I didn't mean to shame you. That was not my intention. I was no, just no. I'm just I'm joking. I just, <laughs> I'm just joking. But yeah, I did this one on like a two speed, two point two five speed at the end because I was like, okay, let's, wow. let's wrap this. <laughs> I had to keep, like I said, I had to keep rewinding it to find out what happened. I did have to rewind sometimes with with the names and the um, mm-hmm. African words that would come up. I did like her much better in this one than in Children of Blood and Bone. Like, mm, even though she yeah, was still doing an African fair. accent, I guess because Sankara's native language was French, so she could do a French accent, that Miss Cleo didn't show up. And I was very grateful. So her French <laughs> accent is fine. And her, like, her white guy accent. Yeah. <laughs> her white guys all sound the same. <laughs> That's true. Like, her male <laughs> voice. Her, <laughs> her male voice. Like, her dad and Ross and Slater, they just all sounded the same. 
they so sound it was they fine. sound very similar. But he, the, different inflections, <laughs> different dialects. But yeah, the tone is yeah, very slightly because she has like a very cute, adorable vo- voice. So it's like her do it like these old like gruff guys. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. So yeah, so it was pretty good. But I thought she acted it well. Yeah, I yeah. She really mm-hmm. She's a good one. I she's a good narrator. Even if I didn't like the one book she was in, because I've heard some and I'm like, oh. Yeah, she was pretty good. Who was I listening to where I had to, like, stop? Oh, I've already complained about that. It was the cooking gene. And that wasn't his fault. He's not Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. So. All right. So, I think that wraps up American Spy. Um, Yes. Do you want to say what our next... Oh, go ahead. I did want to say, I saw, I checked out, I don't know, for some reason, this book got me to try out Scribd. Have you used Scribd? I have not. Because it's also available on Scribd, and it's like you pay $8, uh-huh. and they have books and audiobooks, but they have, like, new titles, and you don't have to wait. So it's like Hoopla, if Hoopla had new titles. Oh, okay. So I'm doing the 30-day trial. You can do 30 days for free, and I'm going to try it out. I may keep it, because, like, for 9 it's eight ninety nine. So, for like, for $9... They have like all these new titles I've been wanting to check out. Like some of them just that, came out. Uh, like the per month. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, nine dollars a month. You can. It's supposed to be unlimited, but they have an asterisk, and I cannot find the fine print. <laughs> where that asterisk. I'm like, goes. I'm like, where is this asterisk leading to? Because I need to know why unlimited <laughs> has this big star next to it. You got to tell me. So once I figure that out, I'm gonna make a decision whether or not I keep it because it's supposed to be unlimited. There's no holds. They have a whole bunch of new books. And I'm like, oh, I may try this. They also have all those documents I told you about where I fell into this treasure trove of like lawsuits brought against fast food companies. (laughs) And I did not know that somebody was suing Starbucks for underfilling their coffees, which I just think Mm -hmm. is kind of hilarious. Like, where did they promise you that they were going to fill it to a certain line? I don't understand. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm no lawyer. I just thought it was funny. And then the document, I don't know what you call it. What do you call it where it lays out the case? Uh, girl, I it's don't like, know. It's like, this is why. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I like how you're just This like, is going to make more shit, sense really. in a couple, this is going to make more sense in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But anyway, they When I announce my it. news. <laughs> I don't know, girl. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm going to call it the case. But they had this whole section where they laid out a brief background of lattes. I'm like, really? It was just funny. So, yeah. I'm going to, tr- so I would try your, th- if you ever get bored, try 30 days of script and let me know what you think. Because you get like the free and as long as you cancel it, you have it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, okay, scrimmed. <laughs> you know, pay me for that. <laughs> We should. There's no reason we can't do like, hey, with our whatever, use the code black lit and get. We all look into that. We need money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what have you been reading, Molly? Um. So I actually didn't read anything. Oh, that's okay. Though. I have not read anything because I been occupied. Have been occupied. I have been asleep. So. <laughs> I actually didn't read. I uh, have been a little bit re-listening to that Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> the first one, because I was like, whatever, I'm going to read the book then. So I listened to maybe 15 hours of that. But other than that, 
Yeah, that's so many hours. Days. That's like a whole book. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like a scratch the surface. How long is I just that? looked at it. I was like, uh, 15 hours. But that's it. How long is the whole book? Uh, let me see. I don't know. It's long, girl. <laughs> I don't, you don't have to, I didn't want you to have to like, yeah, that's fine. I believe, I'm sure it's long. I'm sure it's like 30 hours. Oh, this one's only 33 hours. Only 33 hours. That's not only super long. Hours. I see anything over 20 hours and I get hives. I'm like, oh, that's so long. That's, that's so not long. that long. I got that. <laughs> I got that Peoria of the orange tree and it's 25 uh-huh. hours. And I was like, uh, you know how long it takes me to read those dark tower books, even on audible, <laughs> but you it read at the high so speed long. two months. So, so I do. And I'm still like, that's too long. Well, what have you been reading? What? I've been reading a lot. Um, so uh-huh. I'm going to go through, I read the bride test by Helen Huang, which oh, I downloaded that on hoopla. I was going to be really good before I got sick and I downloaded a whole bunch of books. So it makes a lot more. <laughs> It's really cute. Highly recommend. I almost cried. It's very sweet. I love romances where it's like the characters go on individual journeys and they develop and grow as people. And then they cut and like this one has a really good journey. Um, okay. I read Destiny's Captive by Beverly Jenkins. I was promised pirates. There were not that many pirates. I'm very disappointed. Um, <laughs> well, because the main character is a black lady pirate from Cuba. And I was like, all right, we're gonna have like adventures on the sea. And then yeah. Yeah, oh. no. she gets married and then she goes shopping. And I was like, why? Um, it was still cute because it's Beverly Jenkins, but there was no piracy, which is what I was sold on. Um, I reread Red, White and Royal Blue, which came out this month by Casey oh, McQuinston. Yeah. It's um, a romance between the first son and like the Prince of Wales in an alternate universe where the terrible mango Mussolini did not win the White House. Mm. Um <laughs> It almost cried. I almost cried for different reasons because it's like, oh, there's a Democrat in the White House and like things are happening. It got me in my feelings. Um, I read My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry by Fred McBachman. I think that might be the last book by Fred McBachman I read. It was too precious. And I think he likes precious. I don't like precious. It's like precious how? So the book, basically the book would happen is there's this little seven-year-old girl who's very precocious. One might say unrealistically oh, okay. precocious. And her grandmother dies. And when she dies, she sort of sends her on this journey to like send these letters to people around telling her she's sorry for the things she's done to them. Like the, the way she's wronged them. And sort of a framing device and a tie into all this is this imaginary world that the daughter and the the granddaughter and the grandmother have made up together. Like it's called like the land of almost awake. And there's a lot of fantasy and like fairy tale elements. And when you read it, what you learn is like all of those fairy tale elements are inspired by real things that have happened in the real world. Like um, the princess who was kidnapped was really, um, or the princess who was stolen away or who got the, the princess who like could stop saying words. It was like a woman who had depression or some. It's it's very cutesy and precious, and it kind of drove me nuts. I don't I don't mm. need all that. So mm. it was like I liked the real world stuff, like because you learn basically the grandmother took this. Everyone's connected. Basically, the grandmother took this woman in because their son had become abusive, and they had to protect the child. And then it's sort of like it grows into this whole thing. That was fine. The whole fairy tale element and it had all these cutesy wootsy names and like the land of almost awake and the worses and the and the never nights and all these things. I was like, I don't need it. I don't need that. So 
It wasn't about hockey, so I don't know why I was reading it. Um, <laughs> in a weird twist, I decided to read In the Heat of the Night by John Ball. Okay. The book that inspired the 1967 movie with Sidney Poitier. Mm. Yeah. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Book Mr. Tibbs is nothing like movie Mr. Tibbs. He, he doesn't slap any white people. He doesn't yell, they call me Mr. Tibbs. He's a lot more subtle. Also, the book is sexist AF. Like, it was written in the 60s. It was written in 1965. Do you remember mm. in To Kill a Mockingbird, they have that character of Mayella, the poor white girl who, like, accuses mm. Tom of the rape? Basically, she's, oh, that one. she's a white, she's poor, but she's white, but she's poor as opposed to like the other white right. people. So there's a character like that. And basically the whole, there's this whole subplot where she, it's implied she tricks a man into, um, she tries to trap a man with a rape accusation and all the characters are walking mm. around saying like, well, you know, that's how girls do. Even like the women oh. characters are like, yeah, that's, that's a common behavior. You got these young men have to be on the lookout. I'm like, this is surreal. Like it's oh. really gross. It's like, oh. And that apparently plays into a motive of the murder. And so it's, a, it broke all my disbelief. Cause I'm like, okay, Mr. Tibbs, you cannot assume all this happened because you think it's common knowledge that women be lying. Cry rape. <laughs> yeah. That women cry rape when they end up in a bad situation. Yeah. So, Okay. It was yeah. It was interesting. I do want to see the movie. I haven't seen all of it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. I just know they call me Mr. Tibbs and <laughs> all that me stuff. Mr. Tibbs. Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> yeah, it's a throwaway line in the book. It's just like oh, yeah. the it's, no, it's him I mean, introducing it's himself. Sydney Portier though. He's like I know. You know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like book Mr. Tibbs is just he's way more reserved than movie Mr. Tibbs. It's interesting. Mm. Um. And then, and then it was just weird to read a throwback from the 60s. Like, every yeah. chapter ended on some ridiculous, like, cliffhanger line. It was kind of <laughs> great. Like, Chief, if you let me go, I can prove that the man you have in jail is innocent. And then it would be, like, another oh. chapter would, yeah. And then another chapter would end, like, Captain, I bet you by the end of the night, I'll have the murderer admitting to the crime. And I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, it worked, I guess. And mm-hmm. lastly, I read the worst, not the worst romance of this year, but it was pretty bad. Uh, Princess of Astoria by Delaney Diamond. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. The hero was a legit stalker who at one point imprisons the heroine in his palace, his three-story palace, which, okay, what kind of prince are you? You only got three stories in your palace. <laughs> and then, um, like, and at one point she even straight up says, you know, he let me have, he loosened his restrictions and let me have my phone. And I'm like, is this, what kind of surreal world am I in? This is a psychological thriller. This is oh a crime God. novel. This yeah. isn't a romance. So I shredded it on Goodreads if you're curious. <laughs> but um, that's it. I'm starting Rebel by Beverly Jenkins, which comes out Tuesday. And I want to read it before it comes out just so I can say I did. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> other than that, that's what I've been working on. Okay. All right. So it was a lot, but some of it was a mediocre lot. I think the only real standout was the bright test. (laughs) I do really want to see in the heat of the night. You want to see what? I do really want to rewatch in the heat of the night. Like now Mm. I'm like, I don't know where the urge to even read this book came from. I don't know why I decided I need to read a book from 1965 about, but I don't usually read any like non-contemporaries, right? 
Well, like, I don't usually read things from backlist that far, and I don't read mysteries or crime novels a lot. I don't know what came over me. I was like, yeah, I'm going to read In the Heat of the Night. I don't know. This, I don't know. I have no explanation. So you for just it. picked it up? <laughs> In February. Can I tell you, I've had this book since February. <laughs> and I've just been auto renewing. And then one day I was like, you know what? I need to actually sit down before they oh, I come see. for me. Yeah. Well, that scene has one of my mom's favorite. Uh, well, the movie has one of my mom's favorite scenes in it. Is it when Sydney Poitier slaps that man in the it in the sure greenhouse? It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> the white man slaps Sydney Poitier. Sydney Poitier slaps him back, back and then he answer. starts crying. <laughs> He's like, "Bye." And then the buck butler like gives him this like bitch look and then just turns and leaves. <laughs> it's a great scene. It's on YouTube. You can find it. I might. That's what I might do when I get off. <laughs> I love that I knew that was her favorite scene too. I love it. Um, so what have we got coming up? Um, so our next episode will be a chat, um, Woo! which we'll as always put on Twitter so you can respond to us, but we'll tell you other ways that you can get in touch with us as well. This month's question, we want you to shout out your favorite indie author. So all you girls who, whenever we say something and you put your own book on there, this is your (laughs) chance, girl. (laughs) This is your time to shine. This is your time to shine. Shout out your friends. Shout out yourself. Whoever your favorite indie author is, we want to hear about them. You can also shine by signing up for an advertiser position by going to blackchicklit.com slash advertising. Just throwing that that out there. That was smooth. (laughs) It'd be re- I hopefully I got the address right. It would be extra smooth if I got the address right. So, um, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Blackchicklit.com slash ad hyphen information. So not as well, smooth. I just ruined it. But that's um, okay. there you can find. You know, the- you got in there though. Yes. There you can find the form and I will contact you. You will hear from one of us and we'll let you know when you schedule an ad rate. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us at contact at blackchicklit.com. We are on Twitter, um, at blackchicklit. And we're also on Instagram, which I keep meaning to like, you like check in, like do some stuff on Instagram because I'm really into those stories, but we're on Instagram at BCL podcast. I've been wanting to booktube. And since I don't want to make a full booktube commitment, I was sort of, I mollified myself by saying, well, you could use the stories in a vlog using that. That'd be cute. But I haven't. So <laughs> you did one uh, story where you were like going to the bookstores. That was cute. Yeah, I did. Like I'll do them sporadically, but are not consistent. It's like you gotta. I know better. You gotta plan that content. I know better. So. Mhm. 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 Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. Um, that helps other listeners find our podcast. Um, and it just warms our cold, bitter little hearts. <laughs> we love it. And, and also, I think seeing all the interaction, like, because we've been thinking about doing a Patreon, but I was a little, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if we have enough people interested. But seeing, like, as we get, not to sound, this is going to sound really vain, but seeing more people <laughs> tag us and seeing more people talk about us makes me think that maybe we could support a Patreon. Maybe. Like, because nobody wants to set up a Patreon and then have no one sign up and be like, well, that was embarrassing. <laughs> people. <laughs> but we got server p- fees to pay. We do. And like, they wouldn't be ridiculous. But I was also just sort of interested in the community. I just think it'd be really cool. 
like because I keep thinking back remember the time we did that giveaway and then mm-hmm. we had to do another giveaway mm-hmm. because all those giveaway accounts jumped on and they weren't even people who listened to us mm-hmm. I just really like the idea of like having a place where there are people who listen where we could talk about books where we'd be like a community That's and cute. we know that they're here for us because you know they gotta pay a buck or whatever <laughs> it would be to get it that's cute so i like that so i think that'd be really cool so we've got to like knack out some of the details but i think that that's something that's gonna be coming soon okay Woo! and so thanks to sweet 45 for our theme jones and you can find them on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash sweet 45 that's sweet spelled s-u-i-t-e mm-hmm. and i think that's it i think so i, I hear some fussing downstairs <laughs> i think I don't know which of the nieces are still here. I don't know if it's the angry one, but somebody is fussing downstairs. They so. have had a big life event. They have a brother. They are not sure how to handle this as a collective. Well, the first one knows. Like she's like, oh, this is old hat. Like I'm used to this. The second one, she's like, oh no, because she she was only the baby for like 18 months and she mm-hmm. got usurped. She got usurped. <laughs> they came for so. her throne. <laughs> And she's she will let you know she's not happy about it she can't speak she cannot use words but, but she, she will let, let you, know. you know so all right i think that's it guys this is a fun episode yeah we'll see you um next time when we talk about your favorite indie authors, the authors. Woo. Right. bye bye